Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Can you believe this is the last week of 2020? Well, congrats, my friend, for making it through this very, very interesting year. And let's all just take a collective breath. I feel like we all just need to breathe, right? Today's episode is one of my very favorites 
from all the way back January 2020 with Keisha Blair, the author of Holistic Wealth. And it's a message I really want you to bring into 2021. Holistic wealth is about way more than your bank account balance or the debt you're managing or even that big pay raise you might have received this year. Holistic wealth is about balancing all the areas of your life so your values can align with your cash. So I invite you in to listen for the first time, the second time, the third time, whatever time you're on to this important episode, and think about how you're going to create holistic wealth in the new year. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Compton-Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too, and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance, so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. We're starting January, our whole month dedicated to money wellness and money mindset, talking about this idea of holistic wealth. This may seem like a far off concept, but... As Keisha says, cultivating holistic wealth helps us to be mentally tough, which is super important, and to have the grit to weather the inevitable storms and setbacks that life brings us. Holistic wealth is this concept and process that I've really infused in my own life in the last few years, and it has changed everything for me. And so I know it can do the same for you. Keisha is amazing. She is a trained economist. She's been profiled in the New York Times, was part of the Prime Minister's delegation to the World Economic Forum in 2018. So yeah, she knows her stuff. Personally, though, her story is also really compelling. She lost her husband suddenly to illness and was left to care for her two small children. And what that did was really inspired her to embark on this journey of self-discovery that allowed her to focus on the most important lessons for achieving happiness. And so she's here today to bring those lessons directly to you. There's so much of your story that I obviously want to dive into and so much that I, I really resonate with myself. But I wanted to start out just laying a bit of foundation for this concept of holistic wealth. I'm really curious, like, what would you say is the main difference between holistic wealth and kind of like the old school definition of wealth? Yeah, no, great question. And in the book, I address it head on in the intro because I feel like that old school definition needs to be revamped, you know, like millennials yes. in particular are asking for a new definition that's not just defined by your net worth or 
how much money you have in your bank account, but your emotional and physical health, um, you know, your spiritual health, and of course, um, you know, your, your, your financial health. So we're taking into those key aspects of our lives that are significant building blocks. Um, and, and one, they can't stand alone and we need them to be in good health in order to have, um, holistic wealth. So I think that's the key difference that, you know, we, we just want to redefine wealth on our own terms and, you know, with the rat race and everybody just, you know, being (laughs) exhausted and just tired, you know, like we're, 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 we're really looking for that new version that revamped, refreshed, you know, meaning of wealth. Yeah, it's it's been a long time coming, right? That we need like a 2.0 version of of wealth because I think, you know, people think about wealth and you so eloquently talk about this in the intro to your new book, Holistic Wealth. But, you know, we we've defined wealth, like you say, in terms of just assets, like how much money is in my bank account? Do I own a house and a car and a boat and whatever the heck you want to put in there? Mm-hmm. But that thinking about it more like collectively, also incorporating experiences and different things that you try. And I mean, gosh, you could just lump so many things into that. But when you when you look back at at wealth over your lifetime on your, you know, at the end of your life, you know, I think all of us are hoping for like that collection of of experiences, not just the number in our bank account. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I'm curious, like, like, why do you think people have been so hesitant to really claim like holistic wealth as one of the most important, uh, you know, building blocks or pieces to a good life. It feels like we, we always like come up against this wall when we, when we talk about this concept. Yeah, I know you're right. I think traditionally, um, with society and, and it's good that we're now questioning those rules. Um, you know, everybody defined you by a salary and a paycheck and a title. So, and I say this in the book too, you know, you meet people, and people aren't going to ask you how, how, you know, they ask you how you're doing, but like, it's just like a, a quick intro. And then after that, it's, oh, where do you work? What do you do? Right. And so traditionally we're defined by these things. And so it's, it's taken on so much more significance than it really needs to. And I think that's why, you know, like even when we try, even when we try to redefine ourselves and even when we push back on that definition, it keeps coming back because, and this is something I want to change. I want us to, you know, like collectively as a society, I want us to focus more and, you know, mental wellness is taking on um, more, more importance and, you know, and, and emotional health, but we really need to, um, you know, do more and, and do a better job of, of really defining and redefining, um, you know, how we see each other and, and, and what are the things that we really emphasize in our daily conversations? It's just like, you know, you get together on a weekend and everybody's talking about work. Um, things like that just kind of put us back in that box. And so I think if we start to have the conversation, then that's a good thing because then we're redefining it as we go along and we're changing our conversation. Um, We're changing our discussions about what's important, what's really important. 
Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. There's, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, Eat, Pray, Love. Yes. Um, I love that movie, but there's a, there's a, a scene in there where they ask her to say her word, a word that describes her. And first she says a, a word that, uh, you know, is, something about work-related. And they're like, no, 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 that's not who you are. Yes. Who are you? And the whole rest of the movie is her discovering that. And I think, like you mentioned, that's so important. Like, what if we went to cocktail parties or hung out with friends and we talked about ourselves in that way, or maybe even talked about the things that didn't go right in our lives mm -hmm. to bring more of that human element? I, I just, I would think that would change so much, but you're right. It, it's so hard to... Uh, to really like push that boulder uphill. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And I kind of, you know, like in the book and in my own life experience, you know, with my husband dying at such a young age, I had to firstly come to grips with what I'm defining myself on, you know, and, and, and I, I, I experienced a time where I had to drop out of that rat race for, for a period. I had young kids after he died and I really had to look deep within myself because I could not, I couldn't define myself solely by that anymore. Um, there were too many things important. And when he died, it really put things into perspective for me in terms of life and what's important. Um, because like you'll, you'll, you'll see in the book that I say, like I walked in with, you know, my husband living and breathing and walked out with his things in a white plastic bag. And I mean, in there were yeah. valuable things like a wedding ring, there's jewelry, things that cost a lot, you know? Um, and these things are perishable. They can vanish in a day, but the things that really last are the impacts that we make on society and on each other's lives and enriching each other and, and really living in that purpose and, and really, you know, contributing to humanity. So that's kind of been my core message since then, because, you know, like anything can happen at the title and the salary go. And then what do you have left? How do you define yourself after that? And that's a, that's a question that I think we need to, to ask ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely wanted to, uh, talk a little bit. I mean, having your husband die at, at such a young age and having young kids, I can only imagine just, um, you know, that's obviously a shock. Nobody wants to be in that sort of experience. Mm -hmm. So I I'm curious, you mentioned like some of the lessons that you learned during that time, but was this idea of holistic wealth and like thinking about life in this way, was that something that you had already been uh, working on or really was in your head before he passed away or really did that period change you into thinking this way? Yeah, you know, I think some of it was there before. Um, and I'll tell you which aspects. Like, for instance, he was in, in the private sector. And so, uh, you know, like with pensions and retirement, not so good in terms of retirement right. packages. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, what are we going to do, um, you know, for retirement? And so I started planning ahead. We started planning ahead on several aspects uh, that you see they're covered in some of these lessons. And, and a few of those were like investing in some really good, solid long-term investments. Um, another one was getting a good life insurance policy. And to be honest with you, that came, that came later. And, and, and so there were, there were aspects like that, that I knew for myself that 
I always had those concerns about like if if something happened and it happened after, you know, like I had my first child. So if something happened, what would we do? Do we need emergency savings? Do we need life insurance? Do we need? And so those things, um, thankfully, were in place. And some of the things, some of the other aspects of holistic wealth that are covered in the book came afterwards. And so that's why I've been so eager to get this message out because I keep thinking to myself and to this day, I keep thinking about it. What would have happened to me and the kids if I didn't have these things in place? What would have happened if I had a mountain of debt? We had no life insurance policy. I wasn't in a decent job with benefits. We didn't own a home yet. What would have happened to me and the kids? And so for me, this is living my story and and really trying to put it in a frame so that other people can can take away what they need to take away, which aspects they feel they're weakest on and which aspects they feel they need to improve on. And so, yeah, so those aspects were there before and then afterwards, you know, came the other aspects where, you know, like I, I went on, on, on this sabbatical with the soul searching and, yeah. And so there are things that came as a result of the fallout, you know, and, and, and I had to really dig deep about what my future would look like and what I wanted for me and the kids. And, and, and so some of it was before and after. And I think, you know, like you kind of see that evolution in the book um, when the storyline progresses from uh, when he dies to, um, you know, like, how the different pieces kind of just fall into place. Yeah, I'm so I'm so glad you you shared that and, and talked about that. I think it's it's really important because I think it's really easy to find yourself like in a place of I, I don't complacency maybe isn't the best word, but I think it 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 evokes something in people. It's you know everything's going great in my mm-hmm. life. I I'll do that later. I'll buy that life insurance later, or I'll I'll beef up my emergency fund later, or whatever it may be. I'll just do it later right. because I'm young. I don't I don't need to think about this. It's not a problem. I got plenty of right. time. You know you know all of the things that go through yeah. our heads, but. You know, myself being in the in the financial world for for fifteen years, I've seen stories like yours over and over again. Where I mean, this is life; things yes. happen, and and although it's not fun to think about, you know, bad things happening or negative things happening, like what what advice would you give to somebody listening? You know, we're in a new year, like to maybe balance that perspective of needing mm-hmm. to beef up certain aspects with wanting to still have you know some positivity around it like how would you what advice would you give to someone on on you know how to take those steps this year to get maybe in a little better mm-hmm. position yeah no i i it's so important and the thing about it is and i agree with you 100% we um you know at the end of the month we have just a small amount left in terms of, you know, disposable income that we then have to divvy up among many other um, important priorities. And so some of these things can seem so long-term, seem so far off. But then these are the things that promote financial resilience and financial resourcefulness. It's amazing because I think there is a big disconnect in our lives between the daily bills, the things that are going to get me through the next day, 
and the things that are going to build that resilience and that resourcefulness. And so the things that will build that resilience and that resourcefulness are things like the life insurance, the emergency savings fund, you know, contributing to your pension, all of those more long-term, far-off things. But you know what? Some of those things, as you mentioned, are things that are not so long-term. They might seem that way to us because we think we have kind of a line of sight on what's going to happen. But sometimes these things happen quick and there's no notice. Um, There is no prep time to put these things in place. When they happen, that's it. And when they happen, you can't get a life insurance policy again. You can't do X or Y and Z again. You can't walk into your workplace and be like, well, I need to take a year off now. What do I like? You have (laughs) to have these things in place. And so that's why I'm so passionate about these things now, because these are the things that are going to get us over that mountain. These are the things that are going to get us through those setbacks but they're not a part of the daily, daily grind of, well, yeah, you know, the light bill needs to be paid or like, I, you know, like I really need to buy that new tire for the car because like, you know, those are the <laughs> yeah. things that take. And, and of course, they're they're very immediate. And if we don't take care of them, there's a problem. But but I also think that that there are these building blocks of resilience and resourcefulness that we need to balance. And so it's just finding a way to balance that. And in the new year, it's a great time to take stock. It's a perfect time. We're all feeling great coming off the holidays. You know, we feel like, (laughs) yeah, I'm a hero. I can do this. And it's a great time to be like, you know what? I'm going to take my life in my hands and I'm going to do this. I need to set myself up for the rest of the year and set myself up for the, you know, for the medium and the long term. So it's a great time for doing that. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ETM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. 
I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right. Daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short-form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So, why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts, and remember, stay safe. When it comes to work, communication is key. Even if you don't have a writing job, sounding unconfident, indecisive, or passive-aggressive can hold you back professionally and hurt your team's productivity. Grammarly Premium's advanced tone suggestions make sure you're always sending the right message. Sound clear and confident in your writing and automatically replace negative-leaning language with solution-focused alternatives. With Grammarly's help, you can build stronger relationships at work, be constructive in the face of challenges, and help your team get things done. 
Grimly works where you do, so your team's projects get done before the deadline. And with features like comprehensive spelling, grammar, and clarity-focused sentence rewrites, Grammarly helps keep your writing efficient and mistake-free. The right tone can move any project forward. Get it just right with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to sign up for free. Then get 20% off when you upgrade to premium. That's 20% off at Grammarly.com slash podcast. It's Tuesday. That means we have an Ask Shauna, and this one comes from Alex. And Alex says, is 1% cash back on credit cards worth it? If a credit card has 3% cash back on certain categories and the rest is 1%, is it worth doing so on the credit card or just use cash? I'm new to using credit cards, although I'm always trying to pay in full every month. However, is just cents on the dollar really worth it? Or is it just a marketing scheme to suck you into using their money? I'm debating just using credit cards for special categories and the rest in cash, or am I missing out on money? What do you think? What is the better way to go? Alex, congrats on your journey into the wonderful land of credit cards. Although there isn't really a right way on what you should or shouldn't do, I'm going to give you some of my thoughts. The first thing is you are doing a kick-ass, amazing job on paying your credit card off in full every month. If you can keep that up, you are going to avoid all of the headaches about credit cards and only reap the rewards. That is the only surefire way, again, that you're not going to go into credit card debt. So you can keep up your credit score, which is awesome, and it's going to give you some peace of mind as well. This is another thing about credit cards that we don't talk about often is... There are things that come up in life, and sometimes you actually need to put a purchase on a credit card. Sometimes you don't have the cash, or maybe you're in between your paychecks and you have to turn to your credit card. And it's it's not always a great thing. Maybe you don't always want to do that, but having that peace of mind that you have that availability, I think goes a long way. And it's something that we don't talk about credit cards. Yes, of course, there could be a downside to it, meaning that you make a large charge on your credit card and you can't pay it off and then you have interest and it starts snowballing. There are a million of those different scenarios. However, the flip side of that is that you have a place you can turn to in those emergencies. And I've had so many situations myself where maybe I had to replace all four tires on my car or something happened and I needed to access a large chunk of cash. Like for instance, once I had to go to the emergency room. And of course, I'm not thinking about this when I go to the emergency room, but I actually had to pay my deductible plus an emergency room fee. And it was somewhere around like $1,200 before I could leave the emergency room. Well, I didn't want to use $1,200 in cash and they didn't want to take my debit card. And so I had no choice. I had to put it on a credit card. So that's just one of, of many examples of why having a credit card, even if you don't use it, is just a good financial decision to make. So here are some things to to really think about. I am of the school that extra money is a plus. If you were walking down the street and there was a dollar or five dollars or ten dollars or twenty dollars laying on the street, no one was around, you don't know who dropped it, you don't know how it got there, would you pick it up or would you not pick it up? Now, of course, we can go through all sorts of different ethics around that, but 
I'm just simply asking you to answer that question to yourself. Most of us, probably like 99% of us is we're going to pick that money up. We're going to pick it up off the floor. What we do with it, that is your own decision to make. So I think of it sort of the same way. That's why I'm always pushing you to look at your savings accounts and find one that is paying more money than traditional banks and why I'm always talking about negotiating things like your cell phone bill and your cable bills. If you can save more money, why not? So the same thing kind of applies here in this situation. If you get 3% back on some of the purchases, fantastic. That's amazing. But 1% on all the other transactions is still more than zero in my book. So I tend to think that if you already have this good uh, habit around paying off your credit card, why not get that 1%? Why not? Rather than paying in cash where you're not getting anything back for paying in cash. Of course, using cash is great. I'm never going to say that's a bad thing. But again, you already have these strong money management skills, so I'm not really worried there. However, if you are listening and this is an area that you really struggle with, then cash makes sense. There's nothing wrong with cash. It's fantastic. But I say go for cash back whenever you can. Another thought for you to look at is, again, some people are going to think this is not a good thing. Some people are going to think this is a great thing. Just giving you my thoughts is that you could look for another credit card that maybe offers a higher cash back on those categories that your current card doesn't. So for example, I have the Chase Ultimate Rewards card plus I have the Chase Freedom card and they really complement each other well. So I kind of get the best of both worlds. But again, that's something for you to decide what makes most sense for you and what works in your current financial plan and with your current financial goals. But those are just some some thoughts. I really, if you have these good, strong money management skills where you are paying off everything in full every month, why not get the cash back even if it isn't as, as fabulous as the 3%, it's still something, it's still money back. And if it's 50 cents or $5 or $500, it doesn't matter. What it's doing is cultivating this habit of you looking at money differently and seeing that it's not just about getting these big lumps, like these big salary increases or coming into a big chunk of money. Maybe you inherit money, but it's this little bit day after day, time after time that starts to build up. And all of that is just extra money that you can put towards your goals. So thanks again, Alex, for this question. It was an amazing one. We cover and ask Shauna every Tuesday, and I want to answer your question. There is no such thing as a bad question, and you can even tell me to keep your question anonymous. We're a community over here, so your question helps everyone else, so ask away. You can just head to the link in the show notes or jump over to our website, mmoneypodcast.com, and find the Ask Shauna area right on the homepage. Yeah, I love the the idea you talk about too about about the building blocks and I think I don't know how you feel about this but I talk a lot on the podcast that money is this universal taboo topic. Oh. People don't want to talk about it. There's a lot of 
fear and shame and guilt and regret, whatever word you want to fill in the blank with. Probably a lot of us feel some degree of that. And so it keeps us silent about money, about maybe money mistakes we've made, or even saying, hey, I need help figuring out how to do X, Y, and Z. But, you know, a lot of the things that you talk about, about getting these building blocks in place, I mean, don't you think that would help people make a big step in feeling some a little less fearful around money or a little less scared that maybe if they lost their job, you know, they have these building blocks in place. I just feel like, you know, we could do a little bit of of work on our own, just little steps at a time to maybe help negate some of Uh that fear. Yeah, no, for sure. And the biggest thing with money, as you mentioned, is fear. And it's this piercing fear of, as you said, losing the job, the paycheck, um, not being able to pay the bills, being kicked out, um, living, I don't know, living on the streets, you know, like it's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. The things that yeah. it snowballs, it snowballs. it's amazing. The things that come in your mind, right. You see yourself in like, I don't know, pushing a trolley somewhere, but like, it's, 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 it's good. And I, you know, I talk about fears a lot in the book too, cause I went through that stage because after I, you know, lost my husband, it was just like, oh my gosh, it's just me. It's just me now and the two kids. How am I going to do this? And so there's a lot that goes into really examining ourselves and 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 giving giving ourselves a more positive script, like a more positive money script. So yes, I can do this. I am ready and I've been through a lot of things, but I'm ready to go forward now and and I can carve out this future that I want. And in the book I talk about, you know, like really honing in on our own financial identity. And that's so important too, with just claiming your identity in terms of what you, what you want to, what things you want to start save on and, and splurge on. What are the things that are important to you with, with, with achieving those long-term money goals? And that gives us a kind of confidence. I know it does for me because when I spend on certain things, I'm like, you know what? I feel good. Like, I don't care what others are thinking. This is, yeah, I know this is putting me on a path. So I'm great. And even if I look at my bank account right now, and there's not much, you know, in terms of my disposable, but like I'm investing it. And that's why it's not in the bank account because I'm investing it. Like, I feel good, you know? And so I feel good about, you know, how I'm spending and how I'm saving and I have my own financial identity. So I am so much more confident and less fearful. And I think in the new year, that's something that we need to define and something that we need to really claim as ours. And it's unique and it's all ours. And so I I, I, I really think that's the challenge. And I think if we can do that, then we set ourselves up for success in a lot of different ways. Yeah, gosh, there was so much in what you just said I want to dissect. But I'm just curious, like first, because you're on... I mean, if you will, I don't know if you ever are, but you're kind of on the the other side of, of losing yes. your husband now. You've you've learned a lot and, and changed a lot. But I'm curious, that period like right after when you go through something terrible and horrible, and for each of us, that could be something different. You know, it maybe doesn't have to be the loss of someone we love, but it, it's something that mm-hmm. feels tragic to us. What advice would you give to somebody? Like, how do you allow yourself to have time to... Maybe everything falls apart or maybe you have to step away from your job or, I, I, you know, what was that process like for you if you could encapsulate it a little bit? 
of that time after where it took you maybe a little bit of time to to say, okay, I, I can mm-hmm. do this. I got this. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, like it, it takes a while. It, it, it does take a lot of soul searching and really pulling back um, to, to think about how you want to redefine after something significant, like mm. let's say a divorce or a job loss or or, or something like that, it, it, it takes. And, you know, like I talk about that, too, in the book where, you know, like I really had to to do that soul searching and to step back and kind of redefine my life going forward. And, and for me, it took a while because the circumstances were just so honestly just so bizarre like it was it it was a rare illness nobody had ever heard of this most doctors will never see this in their lifetime Mm. and so I really just I dropped everything and I thought okay I'm going to have to come to terms with this and I'm going to have to take the time I need to come to terms with this and so I'd say to anyone who's going through any type of setback to take that time be patient with yourself um Take the time to really figure it out. Think about what you want going forward. And you know what? Sometimes it's good to really just feel feel the pain as it comes because it's it's important that we not deny that part of it and know that, you know, it's going to work out. It gets so much better. And like I say this in the book, we learn from these things and, and you look back and you'll be like, wow, look at where I am today compared to yesterday. And so you'll have that measure of improvement. But really, I think once it happens, the key is really taking the time to, to think about, you know, where we're at and, and really feel mm, what's yeah. going on. It's, it's kind of hard. And I know that that time sometimes is a luxury in terms of being away from work or being away mm. from, but it's, it's, it's really that time to really refresh and to renew and to think about, you know, redefining ourselves going forward. Yeah. And I, I think it's so important, just as you said, to give yourself permission when, and when anything happens and it feels tragic or hard for you, give yourself permission to take that time to, and it's not a straight yeah. line process. <laughs> it, it ebbs and flows and sometimes it comes back at you and it's like, exactly. wait a minute, I thought I was over this or what, what, you know, whatever it might be, but allowing yourself that, that time, I think is that's part of this idea of yes. holistic wealth too. It's, it's not just pushing things away, but really feeling it and thinking about uh, how that might change you or how the changes you might need to make, whatever it might be. I think that's that's really important. And also, um, mm-hmm. gosh, in chapter two, you you talk about this idea of of thought patterns and that you say they could be this wellspring of abundance to live life on your terms. But this negative talk and self-doubt are really a drain on your inner resources, which I think we all we all really understand that when mm-hmm. we say it out loud. Practicing it is yes. another <laughs> difficult task. So how can you, if, if we're in the new year, how can you start to change these patterns of thought? Maybe even if you feel like negative self-talk around money has has maybe become your best friend over the years, but you you know you want to change. Are there any actionable tips for how we can move into that positive? Yeah, like frame for sure. There's so many things, and starting with recognizing it 
is very important. And you know what? Like so many of us have these scripts and and we go about our daily lives and this is normal. It's become a part of us. So just recognizing that it's there and trying to trying to change it every time it comes in is is a good way of starting out. And you know, it's funny like we we did this holistic mm, yeah. wealth this 8-day holistic wealth challenge just leading up um to the launch of the book. And one of the things was like writing down things in a journal. So whenever those thoughts come in, what are the thoughts? How can you flip that script? How can you give yourself the messages that you want to hear? Because whatever we think about, it manifests itself because we end up verbalizing it. And then when we end up verbalizing it, it becomes reality. So like, how can we write down these things? And like, you know, in the book I talk, I go deeper in terms of like really taking a personal inventory in terms of what we're thinking, but like writing that down, thinking about spinning it positively are some things that we can do. And so it's, it's all a process and kind of like an evolution and it's, it's, it's taken hold for so long. And so the other thing I talk about in the book, and I mentioned this in chapter two as well, as you said, is, is to kind of surround ourselves with people who reinforce this positive things about yes. us. Because it's so funny that sometimes we're around our friends or relatives or whoever, and it's so funny how the negative messaging about money it's taken hold that we're just like yeah 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 I'll never I'll never make more than right, this yeah, I'll yeah, never yeah. get promoted <laughs> to that only certain types of folks get those jobs you know like it's everywhere and it's 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 recognizing it and being yes. like well no like I I know I was placed here for a purpose and for a reason and I know I want to achieve that purpose and 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 I'm going to do what it takes to do that so like I'm not going to look at what's happened to anybody else because I'm unique and I have my own purpose and like I've seen that born out in my own life so much it's unbelievable and so Doing those things and recognizing, though, that we're each different. And so not all of us are going to make partner in the law firm. And and not all of us are going to, you know, make partner at 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 the auditing firm. But then we each have our own. Our, we're, it's so significant, like our own individual contributions, that I think we need to, to really flip that script and get started on that. Because otherwise we risk losing out on walking in our purpose. And I don't think we want that. I think we want to live that purpose because that's the, that's the root no. of happiness and joy. So I think, yeah. So in the new year, I think it's all about that. Gosh, yeah, that's so, I love that idea. And uh, like one last mm -hmm. thing I just want to talk about in the book, I, I, I obviously yeah. want people to read the book. So, <laughs> but um, th this idea, like going along that, this idea of creating mm -hmm. a personal mission statement, it's, it's something that I've done and I know it's really powerful, but walk me through just a little bit. Like, what does it mean to create a mission statement for you? Like, why would that be powerful for somebody yeah, to, no, to do and, that and practice? For sure. And, and, and yeah, and when we did the Holistic Wealth Challenge again, that was something that people were energized around. And so the purpose of doing that, and it's all tied into what we've been saying so far, is that we want to outline something that's bigger and greater than just like the salary and the paycheck. And so if we want to claim that, the first thing we have to do is to start 
start writing down what a personal mission would look like. And it's so unique. It's so individual because, and I talk about this in the book about it's, 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 it's derived from our story of self. It's who we are and it's grounded in our own values and, and kind of what we want our lives to become. So like if you were sitting at, you know, your own funeral what would you want your friends and your coworkers and your family members to, to remember you for most? What's that impact, that one thing or two things that you would want your family members and, and coworkers to, to, to remember you for? And that drives the mission statement because then you can see it's not going to be, you know, your title or your paycheck. It's going to be something so much greater than that. And so the first step is writing down and, you know, like your values and, and what you want. And then the second step is really deriving from that, a statement that encapsulates that for you. Um, You know, and I give a ton of great examples in the book of several experts who outlined their personal mission statements. But to me, um, coming out of my experience, it was a must do. You know, it was like, I have to redefine me now. And the new yeah, year is yeah. so great for that because we're shedding the old skin of that old year, whatever failures or setbacks or things that didn't go our way. And we're stepping into a new year of new possibilities, you know, and, you know, people want to claim this year for all of those things that they want. The first thing about doing that is writing that personal mission and re- and you know what it changes and it can change over time it's not it doesn't have to be set in stone yeah you yeah. can change it as you evolve as you go along and and it, it's 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 just that one thing that you want to keep in front and center of your life and the thing that's going to drive you and so um for me as like like as I said and for several of the experts mentioned in the book it was like a life changer in terms of um putting kind of like a stamp on your life, a, a kind of tome, something that would define and and in terms of, you know, your contribution to humanity and what you really want your life to stand for. I love that because it's like this powerful statement of this is me and I'm more than my yes. job, my bank account, whatever, you know, this yes. is what I'm bringing to the world, regardless of all of those things. Well, I would love to tie this together with like a little bit of a bow. So we talked about this being just such a great time to kickstart these changes in our mindset around money and really begin to bring in the concept of holistic wealth. If you could give somebody like one, maybe even baby little action step of something they can do today to help them to start thinking about their money in a holistic way. What oh, would you wow. Tell them? That's a great question. Like I would just say start start with the mindset, you know, and in the book, and you mentioned it in the book, I I talk about the holistic wealth um, method. And it's, it's really a mindset, um, you know, of looking at, and in terms of when we even look at our money, let's say, looking at things that either add or deplete that holistic wealth bank account, um, and making our decisions from there. Because I think if we do that, then we're really on a path toward achieving holistic wealth because everything is tied in. And so if we think about things that deplete our holistic wealth bank account from a money perspective, it's spending on things that aren't going to get us to our end goal. It's, um, you know, 
going out to places that we don't need to be or 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 spending on things that we don't need mm-hmm. that will erode that bank account. And so I think starting with the mindset is key. And that holistic wealth mindset is a great starting point, especially for the new year, because then we're not thinking about our money in isolation. We're thinking about it with all these factors combined, because sometimes our spending, you know, it goes off the rails because our emotional health is just not strong enough. (laughs) Like we get tempted, you know, and then there are days when we feel sad and we're like, you know what, I think I deserve that pair of shoes or I think I deserve this, but, um, but it, it, it doesn't necessarily, you know, like work that way. And so if we tie everything together and really address all these key aspects and, and really think about our mindset in a very deliberate way, you know, in the book, I talk about everything being intentionally designed and our lives being an intentional designed life. That's what I mean. Like everything has to be intentional. Yes. Everything has to be grounded in something. And so that's kind of how I would, you know, that would be my kind of advice for for doing that. I'm so in love with this concept of holistic wealth, in case you couldn't tell. And I feel like we're in the place right now where we all need to incorporate balance and wellness in our money. In fact, I think profoundly it is the missing link. So sure, you need a plan to achieve your goals. You need a roadmap to do it. But you also need to cultivate this mindset around money every day that really keeps you centered and focused. And it keeps your mind from thinking about those negative thoughts around money that may be keeping you stuck. So if you want to know more about Keisha, head over to her website, KeishaBlair.com, and be sure to pick up a copy of her book, Holistic Wealth, and join us on our January book club pick. So on this podcast, you know we are actively changing our language around money to help others unlock the lives they want to live and live it out on purpose. Now that you're a part of that movement, it's up to all of us to invite others into this journey. So Share this episode with someone that you think is really ready to incorporate holistic wealth into their life. Tell them why you love the Money on Money podcast and why they should listen. Invite them in so we could all talk about money in a new, fun, and fresh way. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. 